Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. A lot to get to in this particular episode, and I'll tell you what, the, uh, the enemy is pulling out all the stops, are they not? You see, they're not going to quit. They're not going to quit with their false narratives. They're not going to quit with all of the different angles and all of the holes that they have to fill. Because again, they don't want us to understand what's going on. And the other thing that they want to do to us is to get us to question ourselves and our own point of view. And that, of course, is gaslighting. And that's exactly what's been happening. Every single time regarding either the shots, the, the Texas fake shooting, whatever subject it may be, The enemy is always trying to, you know, January 6th, whatever. Every single subject that gets brought up, they're doing whatever they can to get us to question ourselves, get us to question what we actually see, what we know to be true, regardless of how often we see it. And then when we start talking about it, they, of course, pay attention to what it is that we're saying and what it is that we're writing and the message, the truthful messages that we're getting out to people. And then they have to do whatever they have to do to fill that gap and make sure that, oh, wait a minute, well, we have a story that refutes that now. Or, you know, uh, well, you can't say that and you can't believe that because look over here, we now have this story that says this. I mean, they're working very, very hard. So let me start with this. I want to start with the Texas stuff again. This is getting... uh, It's getting tiresome, to be frank, because again, the lying is so prevalent and the gaslighting is so strong that again, they're they're counting on you backing down on what you know to be true. Just to review briefly before I get into the Matthew McConaughey nonsense, because again, he was just another play in the playbook. We haven't seen a single bullet hole anywhere. We haven't seen any broken glass. We haven't seen any spent shell casings from any bullets. None. Zero. We haven't seen a drop of blood. Not one drop. We haven't seen a single dead body. Not one. But yet people still think all of this happened. So on Tuesday afternoon... It was actually after I was done recording Wednesday's episode, the Matthew McConaughey thing popped up. 21 minutes of him showing up at a press briefing, lying through his teeth, and people just soaking it in. It was absolutely ridiculous. It was the worst acting I've ever seen. It was terrible. I mean, the, 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 you know, the fake crisis, you know, the crisis actors, <laughs> the crisis actors enough. They're, they're bad enough. They're bad enough, but this guy gets paid to do it for a living, and he was terrible. He was terrible. It looked like he was laughing at some points. His, he was smiling from ear to ear. I don't think he could believe what, what he was saying. And I want to end this episode. I'm going to book, uh, bookend this particular episode, but I'm going to end this episode with a number of biblical passages that have to do with lying, because I can't stand liars. I can't stand them. There's no way that he, a pedo wood individual, does not know the truth about this entire situation. He does. 
He's blackmailed, he's bought, he's sold. He has puppet masters, an invisible gun in his back, whatever it may be. And so just to sort of introduce McConaughey a little bit, I want to provide a slight uh, history lesson just over the last few years regarding him specifically. He shows up. Again, you have to keep in mind, the enemy plans these things out well in advance. And I'm theorizing a little here, but it's not outside of the realm of, of being completely plausible. I mean, look what they did with the trade towers. They, they built the trade towers knowing that they would come down eventually. Um, they, they just knew that. Grooming Matthew McConaughey, who happens to be born, allegedly, in Uvalde, Texas, over the last couple to few years, has probably set something like this up. So, if you recall, before all of the lockdown nonsense and the fake pandemic of 2020, he apparently had written a book, the first book that he had ever written. And instead of doing a show-by-show tour face-to-face with people, because of the social distancing nonsense and quarantining and all these other lies. He was doing these Zoom calls with Good Morning America and a bunch of other morning shows and whatever else regarding his book, including, I might add, Fox News. So here for the first time, you had an actor that a lot of people, again, didn't know his political persuasion, but they thought, well, he's, he's from Texas. He must be a good old boy. No, he's an actor. He's an actor. And so he even showed up on Fox News. And Fox News was going, oh, Matthew McConaughey, he's on our side. Just grooming the masses for his message. That this is a guy who's telling the truth, that there's no way he could be lying about anything. And oh, he, he's written a book and he's never done that before. Let's just, you know, massage his ego a little bit more. But he was one of the first guys doing these Zoom calls over these over these television shows on a semi-regular basis, again, pushing his book, which, by the way, you can still find in Walmart. Pretty weird. A book that's at least two years old, probably coming up on three years old, you can still find in Walmart. It's bizarre. But, uh, but there's that. I mean, th- there's that grooming aspect of it to sort of prep the populace for who's going to be coming to the forefront in maybe a more relevant way. Not to mention, again, what are the odds? Of all of the places to manufacture a shooting, you have to do it in the same town that happens to be the birthplace of a Hollywood actor that was being thrust on everyone's televisions at the beginning of the quote-unquote pandemic back in 2020. Same guy. So here he is with his south-of-the-border wife, wherever she is from. I don't know where she's from. But again, as I put out on my gab, during his fake speech at the press briefing, he claims to pass off green Converse shoes as being the shoes of one of the dead. And the only way that they could identify her body was because of her green Converse shoes where she had drawn a heart on the right toe of the right shoe. 
And so they actually pan over, and they didn't do this with every news broadcast. Keep this in mind. I, I, I found one broadcast of it on NBC, I believe. It was certainly on their Twitter account, but of where he was bringing this up, and the camera panned over to his wife, who's sitting to his right in those chairs that line up against the wall, and she's holding the green shoes. And again, she's got a sad look on her face, but these shoes, ladies and gentlemen, are size 10 or 12 men's. I understand that they're, you know, quote-unquote unisex shoes. Aren't all shoes, really? But, well, you get what I'm saying. Converse certainly are. You've seen everybody wear Converse. But they're spotless. The shoes are brand new. And someone drew a little black heart right on the right toe, just like the kid's pair of shoes. Until, of course, you look up the different shoes that she was wearing, the, the actual kid herself, who could only be identified by these shoes because she was unidentifiable, because she was covered in blood and blown to pieces. Keep in mind, no one's heard a single gunshot yet. We still have yet to hear a single piece of audio. All those cell phones in that school and not a single piece of audio. Weird. And then, of course, they try to pass off the shoes that his wife is holding as being the shoes that were actually on the feet of the child who was dead. Now, it's possible it was a slip of the tongue. It's possible that he meant to say these are the shoes that were like the shoes that the kid was wearing. But that's not what he said. Again, I thought he was a good actor. I thought these people were supposed to be good actors. Because what he ends up doing is he ends up again saying, these are the shoes she was wearing. And then there's pictures of, of this girl wearing these shoes, but they aren't the same shoes. They are faded green with a different heart on them. Not to mention if they were, why are, why are there no, you know, why is there no blood? <laughs> why, why is there no blood on the shoes? Because she's not dead. She wasn't shot. The McConaughey thing is, again, a perfect play in the enemy's playbook. And if you haven't figured that out yet, that that's always a play, then you're, you're, you're still asleep and you're, and you're still not waking up. However, this is, again, a tactic, as I said earlier, regarding gaslighting and trying to make sure that even the knowledgeable who know what really happened on that day start to doubt themselves. That's part of it, too. The gaslighting won't stop. It has to keep going. And they continued the gaslighting, I might add. The very next day, they decided to carry out, if it wasn't the same day, they decided to carry out their congressional hearings where they had people for, from both stereotypical cliche political sides, one of them saying, you're not taking my guns ever, which is great. But then you had the other side going, we need gun reform. We need gun control. I was there. I saw those kids dead, blah, 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 all of that. They had to run that also to, again, continue with their playbook. That's just the other play in their playbook. They go, okay, we've done this. Next page. And they turn the page and they go, now we've done these. Okay, next page. And they just keep going and going. It shouldn't, it shouldn't shock anybody is my point. This is, this is just what they do. Now, 
I asked earlier in previous episodes, why have we not heard from these so-called teachers? Why have we not heard from the administration and the people that were allegedly in this building? I have an audio clip I want to play here. Uh, ABC decided to find this guy who says he's a teacher in the school and has allegedly been shot twice. Keep in mind, these are AR rounds. These are two, two, three rounds. And that happened, this alleged shooting, which didn't happen, two weeks ago. So now, two weeks in, we're talking to a guy who's been shot twice. Once in the back, through the lung, as the story goes, and once in the arm. Again, they show this guy. He's got a bandage on his left arm up higher. And then what appears to be, he's wearing a t-shirt for the most part, so you can't see anything else. No blood, no swelling, no bruising, no soreness of the skin that you can tell, nothing. Because he wasn't shot. Now this guy should win some kind of award for kind of acting a little bit better. He looks a little sad. He's whimpering a little bit. He's looking down at some script. He's reading something. Because this was a Zoom call that was done with Amy Rohrbach, who again was caught on the Project Veritas video saying that she had all the Epstein stuff and ABC wouldn't let her and whatever else. She's, she's bought and sold too. All these people are. Um, quick story too, just a little sidebar if anybody was curious. Um, I had a friend of mine tell me this a long time ago because he knew people that were, that were directly involved. Uh, Michael Strahan. If anybody's curious about Michael Strahan. If you recall a long time ago, this was around 9-11 actually. Michael Strahan did an episode of Cribs on MTV. I know I'm getting off on a, on a tangent here on something else related, but this is, this is what the deep state does, and these are, again, blackmailed and, and, and uh, you know, owned individuals, which is why they don't retire when they have all this money. They stay in the mix. They, they don't go away. Back around 9-11, Michael Strahan was married to a white woman with red hair. And they lived in a giant high-rise in a building uh, right over the river where you could see the Twin Towers. And during this episode of Cribs, he was describing, both of them were describing how they could see the buildings on fire in XYZ. Again, normalizing the, the fake, you know, normalizing the crisis, but, the, but normalizing the fake narrative as well. That planes hit it and blah, blah, blah. And so... What ended up happening was, is he ended up getting divorced from that wife, not long after. But no one talks about why. Michael Strahan was allegedly taking photographs with hidden cameras of his wife's sister while she was in the bathroom. That was the entire reasoning for the divorce. But the public didn't hear about any of that. And it's that kind of stuff, again, that they have to keep under wraps as much as humanly possible, which is why they take these individuals that they claim are pillars of society, so to speak, the most ethical and upstanding individuals. You know, he's got a big smile. He played football. He was an MVP. He's got a gap in his teeth. There's no way that he would ever be 
an evil person or do something terrible. Michael Strahan is a monster. But most people on television are monsters. And that right there again proves that when you see Matthew McConaughey show up and start lying to people about something that didn't happen, he's a monster. And his wife going along with this is a monster. And they're controlled by monsters. That's my overall point regarding this. There are more monsters in that town of Uvalde, Texas. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the audio right now of, of one of them, but I want to get back to the teacher first. I want to play the audio of this teacher from an ABC Nightly News report because it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, not to mention it, counter, it, it counters completely the original narrative of the whole story. And I'm going to play it and see if you can't catch it. So here's the audio right now in three, two, one. For the first time, we hear from a teacher in one of those two classrooms in that Uvalde Elementary School, the teacher who survived the horror, telling our Amy Robach the moment he saw the gunman, how he told the children in his classroom to get under their desks to pretend they were asleep, and the child he heard pleading with the police that they could hear in the hallway to help them. Mr. Reyes was the teacher in room 111. They were watching a movie when the shooting broke out. The children asking him, what is that they hear? Law enforcement gathering outside, some in the hallways, that child asking police to help them. And of course, we know of at least two children from those two rooms calling 911, telling dispatchers to send help. There were 11 students in his classroom alone. None of them survived. And today, nine-year-old... Did you catch that? That last piece right there, that last sentence, there were 11 children in his room alone, and none of them survived in his room. Wait a minute. I thought the students who died were in a team teaching class, one classroom, with two teachers. Or... Two teachers was the original story in two separate classrooms where there was a wall divider between them that was open because they always team taught. Now they're saying that 11 students died in this guy's classroom. No. Again, the lying is so prevalent here. That it's, that it's beyond obvious for those of us that were paying attention from the very start. But this is what they do with the masses. They do whatever they have to do to get people to be so afraid to pay attention to the actual facts. From the word go, from the moment they, they you know, drop the, the green flag and everybody's off to the races with this story, they're anticipating people not paying close enough attention. Again, any detective worth their salt who's not associated with any Uvalde police department or agency whatsoever knows that this is off. They know that this is completely off because it makes no sense. Too many conflicting stories. There's something else, too, before I continue with this audio, which again runs for roughly five minutes, so please bear with it. In the initial. hospital report and tweets from the hospital that apparently is some distance away, not sure how far away, there were only three wounded, 
Remember, the grandmother was supposed to be dead initially, shot in the face. Now, allegedly, she's alive after being shot in the face. And then there were two children that were allegedly wounded. I didn't hear anything about another teacher being wounded, let alone this guy. The hospital itself didn't say that they treated any guy, adult male, with any gunshot wounds whatsoever. Not to mention, as you'll hear him say, as I said earlier, shot through the lung with a two-two-three round, and, and, and there was no police intervention for what, 40 to 70 minutes? He'd be dead. And shot through the arm. He'd be dead. Absolutely ridiculous. I'm going to continue. Here we go. Garcia was laid to rest. She would have just turned 10. This account tonight from the teacher who survived is harrowing. It is difficult. And once again, it is a portrait of what those children were going through as they called for help. Tonight here, the Amy Robach interview and our Matt Gutman leading us off from Texas. Guy with a rifle. Tonight, for the first time, we're hearing chilling details from a teacher who was wounded but survived the carnage in room 111 of those two adjacent classrooms at Robb Elementary. Arnolfo Reyes was watching a movie with his 11 students when the shots rang out. Bullets hitting the building. He spoke with our Amy Robach. The kids started um, asking out loud, uh, Mr. Reyes, what is going on? And I said, I don't know what's going on. Um, but let's go ahead and get under the table. Uh, get under the table and act like you're asleep. Um, as they were doing that, and I was gathering them under the table and told them to act like they were going to sleep, is about the time when I turned around and saw him standing there. Almost immediately, the gunman opening fire. Two bullets hit Reyes, one through his arm and lung, another bullet in his back. He couldn't move. The shooter then turning that long gun on the students. To hear officers outside the classroom, Reyes says he heard a child in the next classroom pleading for police to help. By then, he thinks officers had retreated down the hallway. One of the students from the next door classroom um, was saying, Officer, we're in here. We're in here. But they had already left. And then um, he got up from, from my, behind my desk and he walked over there and he shot over there again. The gunman going back into room 112, firing more shots. The teacher says he then heard officers again, telling the gunman through the door that they want him to come out to talk, that they don't want to hurt anybody. A minute later, silence, until Border Patrol finally breached the door. While that horror was unfolding, parents outside begging for police to save the children. You know that there are kids, right? They're little kids. They don't know how to defend themselves. And at least two students from those connected classrooms were calling 911. Is there anybody inside of the building? When it was over, 11 of Reyes' students were dead. And today, another victim laid to rest, nine-year-old Eliana Eli Garcia. She was very happy and very outgoing. Loved to dance and sing and play sports. She was big into family, enjoyed being with the family. 
the funerals continue tonight, and Matt joined us now, reporting from the scene again for us this evening. And Matt, this interview, uh, the teacher talking with Amy, uh, so powerful, uh, obviously hearing about that child who was pleading with police that they could hear on the other side of the wall to help them. We also heard from this teacher, Mr. Ray, is something we reported before here, that police at one point tried to talk to the shooter. Another survivor, David, just 10 years old, told us that she heard law enforcement come down the hallway, maybe up to the door, and ask the shooter to come out to put down his weapon, but that he refused. And that teacher telling us also that he had to play dead for 77 minutes. There were long periods of silence, ultimately punctuated by law enforcement, bursting into that classroom and shooting dead that gunman. David. All right, Matt Cup been leading us off here tonight. Matt, thank you. And of course, tomorrow morning on Good Morning America, much more from that teacher, Amolfo Reyes. His message to the police officers outside that classroom door and to the parents of his students. Amy's full interview on GMA. It's part of our reporting all day long tomorrow across all of our broadcasts and platforms. A closer look at guns in America. And tomorrow night here, our report on World News Tonight on AR-15 style weapons. And how many states can you get them at just the age of 18? As authorities say that Texas shooter did the day after he turned 18 buying his weapon. And the debate, of course, why not raise the age from 18 to 21? Out of my cold, dead hands, as far as I'm concerned, it's not going to happen. It isn't going to happen. They can do whatever they want. They can hold as many meetings as they want. They can vote whatever they want. Biden's not the president. Anything he signs is null and void. These people are just exposing themselves for all being the criminals that they are. It really is that simple. Let me go back to the teacher real quick. When he said, I don't know what's going on, when his alleged students asked him what's going on and he didn't know. And then all of a sudden, he tells them to get under their desks and act like you're asleep. That's not policy. Nothing about that scenario is policy. You don't, act, you don't ask people to, let alone elementary school students, to to play dead or act like you're asleep under a desk. And then he says, all of a sudden, I turned around and there he was. He doesn't describe how he got shot. I'm not going to play the other interview with Amy Rohrbach because, again, she's an actor too, looking all sad and everything. You can go and, and, and listen to the entire thing if you'd like. Uh, I don't want to stop you from doing that. Go for it. Uh, the point is, is the guy's a liar. He's lying. And all of these individuals are getting paid. Speaking of getting paid, the gal, uh, the young girl who on the GoFundMe page for all of these students slash teachers, if that's what they really are, she has the monarch wings behind her. This student is alive. And it says so in the GoFundMe thing. But for some reason, the alive student has more money than all the other students. Hundreds of thousands of dollars more, as a matter of fact. Her GoFundMe page was upwards of, the last time I saw, 480 some odd thousand dollars for an alive kid. And then, recently, someone took the, uh, it was a video recording of her describing her situation and what she had to experience during this, uh, this fake shooting and, and what specifically she did during this time. And this is the student, again, who covered herself in her friend's blood to make it look like she was dead. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. 
No elementary school student would think to do such a thing. It's absurd. She was given a script, read this, and then you'll get paid. That's it. That's, I mean, that's it. They, they took that audio, too, that audio clip of her describing this to someone, and I'd like to know who that someone was. They should have been a detective. They probably weren't. And then that was played during the congressional hearing regarding this situation and, and gun control and whatever. Keep in mind, people weren't watching any of this on, on, online. It didn't get a lot of views. It was just a lot of random people showing up, some residents, some claiming to be pediatricians, some claiming to be other citizens, all just complaining about this entire thing. The whole thing is a show. The entire thing is a giant play. None of it is real. Absolutely none of it. I mean, I could continue here, and I'm, I'm going to with this particular story. This was tossed my way from just the news. Uvalde families sue gunman's estate for $100 million. Focus on gun and ammo manufacturers. First of all, the gunman's estate, he wasn't a gunman. His estate, he doesn't have $100 million. Who, who, who exactly are you suing? The fake grandparents? The fake mother? Is that who you're suing? These people don't have $100 million. Any lawyer would tell you that you can't do that legally. You can't sue someone for an exorbitant amount of money when they don't have money. Not to mention, the kid's 18. You can't sue his parents legally. Again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm playing one on television. But the point is, is that you can't do that. He was 18 years old. He was a lawful citizen. You can't sue the parents of a kid who's 18 or older. The Crumbly case is different because the kid wasn't 18, isn't 18, which unfortunately they're going after the parents and unlawfully so in my professional opinion. But in this case, it's absolutely ridiculous. They're just making these outlandish claims now. We're going to sue everybody. We're going after gun manufacturers. What play is that play in the playbook? That's the Sandy Hook play because they went after Remington. And then sued Remington, and allegedly Remington is bankrupt, allegedly, because people went after them. Uh, it, it's beyond ridiculous. Let me read a little bit of this here. It says, the families of the four children, of four children, not all of them, just four, injured in, Ro injured in Rob Elementary school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, are suing the estate of gunman Salvador Ramos for $100 million. What a state. He was an 18-year-old kid who was flat broke and had tens of thousands of dollars in, in all kinds of equipment, allegedly. A pickup truck, a couple, uh, couple of ARs, body ammo, and a ton of ammo. It's laughable how all of, it's just laughable how ridiculous this is. Again, no detective worth their salt who has a brain in their skull would look at this and say, this smells, this smells okay to me. This looks 100% legit. Suing the estate of gunman Salvador Ramos for $100 million and their attorney says additional parties may be added to the lawsuit. What parties? You should, if this really happened, the only people you're suing are school teachers, administrators, and the superintendent. Much like the Crumbly case where those people are being sued in civil court.
they should be tried criminally for their negligence, but they aren't. But in this case, they're just suing invisible people. It says one of the survivors represented in the suit was shot in the face. Another was shot in the back, leg, and shoulder. One child was shot in the leg, and another student was shot in the shoulder. Who are these people? Who are these people? Why are we not naming these people? Another one shot in the calf. Another one was shot in the big toe. Not the little toe, just the big toe. Another one, a bullet grazed their arm, but it was just enough of a graze to put a Band-Aid brand Band-Aid over the arm and cover the wound. Another one was shot in the hip. Another, uh, another one's cat was shot. A random, a random dog that was uh, going for a stroll with its owner was shot outside of the building as well. They're all suing. It's ridiculous. <laughs> they're, they're just making up things now. They're just making it up. The whole thing was made up, but now they're just, I mean, they just keep making it up. You want to hear one more piece of audio? You got to hear this guy. This was from back on May 26th. And this is the guy who allegedly identified the bodies because they couldn't find a coroner. Now keep that in mind. What town with a hospital and two funeral homes doesn't have a coroner? Doesn't pay a person to be a coroner. They could get all of these agencies and all of these police forces there at the snap of fingers. Keeping in mind, they were already there because they were setting up the play. But they didn't have a coroner, so they had to get the justice of the peace to identify the bodies. Ladies and gentlemen, if you watch this video, which I put on my Gab account, uh, my Gab page a while back, it, it takes every ounce of effort for this guy to not start laughing. He's got a smile across his face from ear to ear. Nothing distraught about him as he's talking to Local 5, K-E-N-S, Channel 5, your San Antonio news source. It's, it's beyond ridiculous. Nobody who has to identify all of these bodies of kids would, would look the way that he looks or sound as casual as he sounds, just like Sandy Hook, where the guy, the medical examiner, quote-unquote, was laughing during those videos back in the old Sandy Hook days, and wouldn't you know it, under oath when he was questioned about the entire scenario, he couldn't admit to examining the bodies. He was later found dead. But don't pay attention to that part. If I was this Justice of the Peace guy, I'd, I'd watch my back. Because, again, if these crisis actors are getting paid to say what they're saying on camera, and they're not doing a very good job, and they're outed in some way, they mysteriously end up dead. So here's his audio in 3-2-1. In a small town like Uvalde, neighbors know each other. The grief is felt by everyone, but especially for the justice of the peace, the person tasked with identifying the victims. Teresa Woodard has more. We were the unlucky ones in Uvalde. From the third floor of the Uvalde County Courthouse, he heard sirens. Then Justice of the Peace Lalo Diaz heard school shooting. Then he heard the call to go. In a small town with no medical examiner, he had to identify all of the bodies. I'm going there with a mental note of maybe two or three. He normally gets 20 to 25 death calls a year. And this was 22 in one day. You know, 21 victims, one shooter. 
a shooter who used the same kind of ammunition Diaz uses for hunting. He immediately recognized one of the murder teachers, but he didn't recognize the kids right away. Uh, when I got home, I got, a, I got a, a senior in high school who was getting ready to graduate tomorrow, and I got an eighth grader. They're there, and my wife's there, and they're looking at me like, Dad, I'm so sorry for what you just had to go see, right? And look at all the people that have missing children. Are we allowed to go to the flowers right here? No, ma'am, they're having us receive the flowers okay. and then place the flowers. That's when he realized he knew more than half the families who lost a child. Everyone in Uvalde knows someone lost, especially Uvalde's youngest. I hope they have a good time in heaven and they're the best friends ever. Some visibly wear their grief. But at some point, the floodgates are going to open. Probably, uh, so we'll, uh, we'll tackle it when it gets there. But Diaz is filing his away for now. Someday the floodgates will open because he didn't shed a single tear during that entire thing. If he were really witnessing all these dead bodies, you'd be able to see it on his face. I know this is a, a podcast and, and you can't see it, but uh, again, you can look it up on YouTube. Here, here's the title of it. The title of the video is Uvalde Man Was Tasked with Identifying Bodies of Victims Killed in Mass Shooting. That's the title of the YouTube video. Uh, the guy's lying through his teeth. And here's another way that you can, you can tell. I've mentioned this particular habit in the past. It's a verbal tick that a lot of people use. And, and it's one of the things that's been very prevalent, I would say, within the last 20 years, give or take. I remember it was 20 years ago, uh, certainly when I was in college, when I started to hear this verbal tick. It probably stretches back to the 80s, frankly, but it, it was certainly something that I started to pay attention to when I was in college. And I didn't understand why people would say it. But they would, and again, I'm not criticizing everybody who does it, so don't take this personally, but. It is a bad verbal tick and a bad verbal habit and language habit that people should work to try to get rid of. Uh, it, it basically ends with ending every single sentence with the word right and then an upward inflection as a question mark. So, for example, in his particular case, he said uh, his, his children and his wife were looking at him like, sorry, Dad, uh, you had to witness all that today, right? And he's trying to explain this to the news reporter, but he's looking for affirmation on something that you wouldn't need affirmation for. I know I'm becoming a little analytical with this, but it matters because it's the dead giveaway. If what he had seen actually happened and what he says he did, he actually did, he wouldn't need affirmation for it. He wouldn't have to end his sentence with the word right. That's what you say when you're trying to convince someone of your point of view, and you're looking for them to give you something back in agreement. I do, I'd witness all these dead bodies, right? I mean, it was really tough, right? I mean, my kids and my wife looked at me, and, and they said, wow, you know, we feel sorry for you, Dad. You had a tough day at work, right? If it really happened, th there would be no question at the end of any sentence. Again, he's smiling the entire time. His eyes are big and bright. His face is big and bright. There's nothing wrong with this guy. 
But they chalk it up, the news station chalked it up to the reason he wasn't crying was because he's packed away his tears and his emotion, and perhaps they'll come out at a later time, but not yet. And they make it all dramatic and whatever else. Gaslighting. It's just gaslighting. More gaslighting. It's not unusual to not see people, you know, to, to, to have people not cry during a crisis. That's a common reaction. He's just filing it away for another time. Stop it. Stop it. Be gaslight proof. Don't buy any of this. They're working on it real hard, real hard. Guns in America on ABC News. Big picture all over the thing and across all our stations. We aren't letting this go because we can't, because we're lying like sons of bitches. I mean, they just have to keep saying that. They have to keep ramming this down people's throats. Don't worry, though. There's about to be some summertime riots regarding a thousand other things, and then that will clog the, the news channels and whatever else. So there you have it. But I, I, I don't know what else I can say about, about the fake shooting. I've, I've taken so much time out of this, ladies and gentlemen, and, and there's just so much proof that it didn't happen. I've already used 41 minutes of this particular episode. So again, my apologies to some extent, but. Yeah, every time we bring up a particular avenue that the deep state hasn't thought of, bang, the deep state creates a, a teacher who was wounded all of the sudden. Show me the wound. Show me the wound. Chicks love scars. Show me the wound. But, you know, they won't because there are none. Moving on. Here we go. Perfect uh, manufactured problem, manufactured reaction, manufactured solution. This comes from the Epoch Times just a day ago. New Jersey school district to hire off-duty police. Retired officers on campus. Every parent agrees, quote-unquote. A large school district in New Jersey has approved to enhance student protection by hiring off-duty police officers and then retired officers to patrol inside school buildings. The guards will be armed and present through at least the end of the 2022-23 academic year. Ladies and gentlemen, they are setting up a real gunfight. That's what they're doing here. I said it in previous episodes. They're setting up what's going to amount to a real gunfight, where they're going to send in a real brain-damaged person into a real building where there are real guns in the hands of teachers and or security guards. And who's going to be in the middle of that gunfight? Students and teachers and employees. And then when this really happens the next time, because this one was fake, this Texas thing, but when this really happens the next time, then you're going to have the OK Corral in an elementary, middle school, or high school. No doubt about it. And then what are they going to do? Then they're really going to come after guns even harder. This is how, this is the perfect definition of the useful idiot. Because these retired officers think that the Texas thing was real. School teachers, as I said, 99.5% of them think that this was real. It wasn't. You're being used. You're being used, lied to, and manipulated. And this is the manufactured reaction slash solution. I put solution in quotes because it's not a solution. This is only going to lead to their next manufactured 
problem, which again will then create another manufactured reaction, and then their solution will be to again take away guns from countless people, including professions. Not to mention Sue God knows who and how many people. The writing is on the wall here. I'm not crazy. This is this is just I can see it. I can see it clearly. And all I'm doing here is I'm doing my best to warn as many people about this particular plan because to me it's crystal clear. Having been a school teacher, this makes perfect sense. Not to mention again, after all of this happened, you know what was said in all these ridiculous faculty meetings in all these schools. We need to double our efforts and we need to whatever. And then some Barney Fife. Uh, resource officer got up there and goes, I reassure everybody you're safe. I'm in control. We're going to handle it. These are certified lethal weapons. I mean, and, you know, held up his hands and whatever else. And I can do a Barney Fife impression. Trust me. Uh, but I'm not going to do it. Point is, uh, this is, this is just more manufactured nonsense and people are buying it hook, line, and sinker. It's sad. Okay. Moving on here. Jab-related stuff. I've got also some peer-reviewed articles to read regarding vaccines in general and how they're castrating people. And then I want to end up this episode, or end this episode rather again, with biblical quotes on lying. Because again, the lying are going to be given no quarter, and they shouldn't be. They should have no quarter. This comes from LouRockwell.com, and it's titled, Game Over, We Won. Uh, It says, one of my surveys has a strong signal, so I had a third-party polling firm run it again, run it against a neutral audience. The results are devastating. It shows that we were lied to big time, no way to spin it. And this, again, is by Steve Kirsch. Not a huge fan of his, but uh, yeah, Here's, here's what it says. It says, I now have a survey question. That when tested against a neutral audience gives a very strong signal. Turns out that most people think that the COVID vaccines have killed more people in just one and a half years than all 70 plus vaccines combined over the past 32 years. The more unvaccinated you are, the more likely you are to notice this. If you've had four doses, it was nearly tied. And then he shows the table. What's interesting about this is that it's not new. That's a proven fact already, that more people have died from these COVID jabs than all other jabs combined. That didn't need a survey. Hate to break it to Steve Kirsch, double jab Steve Kirsch, but you know it, it didn't, uh, didn't need a survey. That was already well known. Here's the next one. This comes from the Daily Mail. Healthy young people are dying suddenly and unexpectedly from mysterious syndrome as doctors seek answers through a new national register. Sudden adult death syndrome. I mean, you can't make this up. But apparently you can because this is made up. There's no such thing as sudden sudden adult death syndrome or the SADS phenomenon. Give me a break. The cover-up is dumber than the actual depopulation agenda itself. It's embarrassing, actually. But now, shifting gears away from the jabs, 
Although keep in mind, it's basically the same thing because, you know, whatever is inside of the syringe on the other end of a needle is, is not good. And uh, it's certainly all in the same category, which is terrible. But here's a variety of articles and stories here. Here's, here's one. comes from nature.com, Nature Communications. It's titled Elevated Rates of Autism, Other Neurodevelopmental and Psychiatric Diagnoses and Autistic Traits in Transgender and Gender Diverse Individuals. I'm going to read the abstract. It says, quote, it is unclear whether transgender and gender diverse individuals have elevated rates of autism diagnoses or traits related to autism compared to cisgender individuals in large non-clinical based cohorts. I got all that in in one breath. Deep breath. To investigate this, we use five independently recruited cross-sectional databases, sorry, data sets, consisting of 641,860 individuals who completed information on gender, neurodevelopmental, and psychiatric diagnoses, including autism, and measures of traits related to autism, self-report measures of autistic traits, empathy, uh, systemizing, systemizing, and sensory sensitivity. Compared to cisgender individuals, transgender and gender diverse individuals have, on average, higher rates of autism, other neurodevelopmental and psychiatric diagnoses. For both autistic and non-autistic individuals, transgender and gender diverse individuals score, on average, higher on self-report measures of autistic traits, systemizing, and sensory sensitivity and on average, lower on self-report measures of empathy. The results may have clinical implications for improving access to medical health care and tailoring adequate support for transgender and gender-diverse individuals. Unquote. They always say that at the end, that this uh, has clinical implications for better health care, whatever, better health care measures and support. What they're saying is, is that the more you drug someone, the more you sterilize them mentally, genetically, reproductively, and so on. Everything that's coming on the other end of a needle is sterilizing these people. Quick sidebar. Little, uh, little criticism, don't mean to make fun, but can someone tell me and Matthew McConaughey is the one I'm going to bring up specifically, but can someone tell me when it happened where men decided that eyeglasses that they should wear should have female-looking frames? Did you see the glasses that Matthew McConaughey was wearing during the press briefing when he was giving his acting class on dead kids? What is it with men that wear eyeglasses that just look, you know, the clear frames that are thick that look like what grandma would wear back in the 1950s. What is it with that? I mean, I have no idea. I think it looks ridiculous. They're, they're women's glasses. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I mean, get, get masculine looking frames. It's not an accident that they have them separated, but Again, not to not to theorize too much, but isn't that part of the scheme here? Isn't that part of the transgender transhumanism scheme? 
where men are, are dressing like women with their skinny jeans and their uh, and their women's glasses. I mean, you know, what the hell? I don't know. I think it's ridiculous. Anywho, moving on. Who knows? Maybe Matthew McConaughey's gotten all kinds of jabs over the years, and uh, that's just part of it. You just start leaning toward women's clothes and, and women's eyeglasses. Beats me. Here's the next one. Aluminum. Environmental pollution. The silent killer. I'll read the abstract. These are all peer-reviewed. This comes from the Environmental Science and Pollution Research Journal. Uh, it says, quote, The concern about aluminum toxicity has been proven in various cases. Some cases are associated with the fact that aluminum is a neurotoxic substance that has been found in high levels in brain tissue of Alzheimer's disease, epilepsy, and autism patients. Which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, aluminum not only comes from the chemtrails that are dropped on top of us, but they are in every single shot that a person takes. Flu shots, COVID jabs, everything in between. Aluminum, it doesn't belong in the human body. It continues. Other cases are related to infants, especially premature infants and ones with renal failure, who are at risk of developing the central nervous system and bone toxicity. The risk is a result of infants' exposure to aluminum from milk formulas, intravenous feeding solutions, and possibly from aluminum-containing vaccinations. No, there's no possibility there. It's a fact. It continues. Furthermore, more antiperspirants contain aluminum compounds that raise human exposure to toxic aluminum. This review paper is intended to discuss in detail the above concerns associated with aluminum and hence urges the need for more studies exploring the effects of overexposure to aluminum and recommend, recommending mitigation actions, unquote. Yeah, all of the fragrances that people use, the body sprays. Again, if you're using those, I, I wouldn't recommend it, number one. Not a medical doctor, but keep in mind, used to teach health anatomy and physiology. I was well aware of this a long time ago. That huge influx societally of uh, Axe body spray and Old Spice body spray. It's petroleum. You're spraying your body with petroleum. There's aluminum in it as well. It's not an accident. It's flammable. You can stick those bad boys up to a lighter and you've got yourself a blowtorch. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't recommend that. I don't, I don't recommend that on, on any person, let alone, you know, an adolescent kid who's, uh, who's growing. You're, you're, you're filling their body with poison. Not a good idea. But hey, you know, look at the hand sanitizer craze that took place. That was all poison too. Pretty nuts how uh, everybody just fell for the hand sanitizer stuff also. Next article, more peer-reviewed stuff here. Then I promise I'm getting to the biblical quotes because they're awesome. This comes from, let's see. This was published online. Uh, Mary Ann Something Inc. Publishers. Beats me. It's got a few, uh, I'm sorry, Transgender Health is the name of the journal. So here it comes. Sociodemographic and Clinical Characteristics of Transgender Adults in Australia. I'm going to skip right to the conclusion. Rising demands for transgender care, socioeconomic disadvantages, 
and high burden of mental health conditions warrants a comprehensive multidisciplinary approach to provide optimal care for transgender individuals. Given that ASD and ADHD are prevalent, in addition to gender-affirming treatments, psychosocial interventions may assist individuals in navigating health care needs and to support social aspects of gender transition. Further, studies are required to understand links between ASD, ADHD, and gender identity and to evaluate optimal models of health service provision for transgender individuals. It's because of vaccinations. The vaccination regimen that children are receiving is stronger than what it takes to sterilize a horse or kill a horse. It's outrageous, and we're wondering again why all of these needles going into people is turning them into, um, turning boys into women and women into boys. This is the transhumanist agenda. This is it. To get everybody to just be an NPC, NPC Ken doll-looking zombie. Uh, and, and they're doing it through drugs. Because when they're induced with all of these drugs, they're more susceptible to societal pressure. And where is that societal pressure coming from? Everywhere. Radio, music, TV, movies, all of it. Dye your hair, they say. Dye it pink. Dye it blue. Back in the day, ladies and gentlemen, if a, if a, if a guy dyed his hair a different color in, in, in particular middle school or high school, I'm not saying this is nice, but it's true. We called them freaks. Back in the 90s, that's what we called them. You know, you know the ones I'm talking about, the ones with the big baggy jeans that flared out. They had you know, massive chains, clothes that didn't fit, uh, dark-complected. Some people refer to them as emo or goth. That, the emo goth stuff, those names, those names showed up after 2000. That was early you know, 21st century. In the 90s, we just called them freaks. That was about it. But that's what these drugs are doing to people. And it's not that they're acting out necessarily, and it's not that they are, um, you know, trying to figure out who they are. They're drug-induced. They're filled to the brim with aluminum and countless other poisons that don't belong anywhere in the body, let alone past the blood-brain barrier. And they're all getting past the blood-brain barrier, and it's not good. But that's the transhumanist agenda. Here's another one. This comes from Science Direct. Again, same kind of thing I'm talking about. It's titled, Fragrance Compounds, The Wolves in Sheep's Clothing. Here's the abstract. In the past five decades, synthetic fragrance compounds have become ubiquitous components of personal care and household cleaning products. Overwhelming consumerism tends, trends rather, have led to the excess usage of these chemicals. It's been observed, a lot of big words in this one, so uh, I apologize. I'm going to butcher them. I guarantee it. It says it's been observed that this fragrance-laden, unhealthy lifestyle runs parallel with the unprecedented rates of diabetes, cancer, neural ailments. Uh, let's see. Uh, teratogenicity, tetranogenicity, no way I got that right, 
uh, and transgender instances. Uh Uh-oh. The link between fragrances as and the multiplicity of pathogens remained latent for decades. However, now this health hazard and its role in homeostasis breakdown is getting attention. The adverse effects of the fragrance constituents as philolates, no way I got that right, paraben, uh, glutarahyde, and hydroperoxides, oil of uh, turpentine, there you go, metals, neuromusks, I'm sorry, nitromusks, and essential oils, among others, are being identified. The endocrine immune neural axis petrobation, I don't know what that means, pathways of these chemicals are being proven. Despite the revelations of cause-effect nexus, a majority of the vulnerable populations are unaware and unmotivated to avoid these slow poisons, quote-unquote. They call them slow poisons. They actually call it that because that's what it is. Good for them. It says, hence, the researchers need further need to further validate the toxicity of fragrance compounds and raise awareness toward the health risks. In this regard, a number of pathogens, uh, pathologies rather, triggered by fragrance exposure yet proven only scantily, have been hypothesized. Analysis of the health issues from multiple facets, including the pivotal stressors, quote unquote, extracurricular acidosis or aromatase, uh, unregulation estrogen hypo, hypo, hyperproduction, estrogen hyperproduction, there you go, inflammation link has been proposed. It then says, uh, fragrance compounds share configurational similarity with carcinogenic environmental hydrocarbons and they provoke the expression of cytochrome group Monooxygenase enzyme ara- uh, aromatase. That's not good. I'm smart enough to know that I can't pronounce it, but it sounds bad. It says this enzyme uh, aromatizes androgens to form estrogen, the powerful signal signaling hormone which underlines the majority of morbidities. This holistic review with a repertoire of preliminary evidences and robust hypotheses is expected to usher in deserving extent of research on this pervasive health risk. Avoid fragrance compounds. That's all they had to say. (laughs) All they had to say was... All they had to say was, fragrance compounds over the course of time are a poison that will cause you cancer and basically neuter you. The end. On to the next one. And here's the last one, I promise. This comes from the Journal of Infectious Disease. It is titled, Predominant Role of Bacterial Pneumonia as a Cause of Death in Pandemic Influenza implications for pandemic influenza preparedness. Ladies and gentlemen, this has to do with mask wearing and how the people who wore the mask were the ones who died. And the people who, of course, got the shots were the ones that died. We know that, but 
This has to do with bacterial pneumonia as a result of wearing masks. I'm going to cut to the conclusion because it's incredible. Uh, conclusion. Quote, the majority of deaths in the 1918-1919 influenza pandemic likely resulted directly from secondary bacterial pneumonia caused by common upper respiratory tract bacteria. Mask wearing. Less substantial data from the subsequent 1957 and 1968 pandemics are consistent with these findings. If severe pandemic influenza is largely a problem of viral bacteria, Copathogenesis. Pandemic planning needs to go beyond addressing the viral cause alone influenza vaccines and antiviral drugs. Prevention, diagnosis, prophylaxis, and treatment of secondary bacterial pneumonia, as well as stockpiling of antibiotics and bacterial vaccines, should also be high priorities for pandemic planning. Keep in mind, this is the Journal of Infectious Disease. They have to end their study by saying that. They always have to end their studies by saying, we need more shots. We need more things. We need people to spend more money on stuff. Just stop wearing a mask. Breathe fresh air and you'll be fine. This was from Volume 198, Issue 7, on the 1st of October, 2008. I tell you what, this is the problem with our society. People don't read. They don't read, and they certainly don't read history. They can't do that, because if they read history, their, their present is going to get blown to smithereens. And now, ladies and gentlemen, speaking of history, here it comes. Bible verses about lying. There are many. I'm sure there are many more than this, but uh, here's... Here's a few to consider. Again, Matthew McConaughey, buckle up, big boy, with your, with your pretty lady glasses. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. These six things doth the Lord hate, ye seven are an abomination unto him. Proverbs 19, 9. A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall perish. Proverbs 12.22, lying lips are abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Psalms 101.7, he that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. Colossians 3.9 and 10, lie not one to another seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Luke 8.17, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Proverbs 12.19, The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. 1 John 2.4, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Ephesians 4.25 Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. John 8.44 Ye of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. 
He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Exodus 20.16 Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Revelation 21.8 But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Proverbs twenty four twenty eight. Be not a witness against thy neighbor without cause, and deceive not with thy lips. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, Proverbs nineteen five. although I'm sure there are many more. 19.5. A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall not escape. Ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you, I can't stand liars. I can't stand them. And uh, we, again, have to just continue to be gaslight-proof. We cannot believe these people. They will continue their just terrible ways in trying to do whatever they can to spin their message and get us to try to believe the exact opposite of what we know to be true. That's not going to stop. That will continue. But be gaslight proof and be able to see right through it. And trust me, over the course of time, you certainly will be able to. They still trick me from time to time, but I'm on to them and I'm continuing to learn. And that's the point. Have a great weekend, everybody. Catch you on Monday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.